0: a Podcast One production. Hello, my name is Gary Meegan and this is a Plate to Call Home where we explore the unknown stories behind the food that we all love. When Pete agreed to be on my show, I was so excited. He was in a sunny studio in Sydney, and I was in drizzly Melbourne, but it didn't stop us from having a great chat about all sorts of things. We talked about his paleo diet, some of the other controversies that surround him, and of course, the sunscreen incident. Just be warned, there's a bit of swearing in this one, not from me, I might add, but if it's not your cup of tea, maybe you should switch to a different episode. So here he is, the polarising but wonderful Pete Evans. So where
1: were you born? I was actually born in Carlton in Victoria, in Melbourne, um, in Melbourne. Uh, 1973, which makes me, I'm just about to turn 46. So okay. I spent seven years in Victoria, uh, did a little bit of primary school there. Parents separated, moved up to the beautiful Gold Coast with my mum and did my schooling up there until I was 17 and then moved to Melbourne, back to Melbourne to learn how to cook. Did my apprenticeship uh, there, finished it, opened a restaurant and had our own restaurants as um, as a group for for. I was involved for 19 years. So we nearly got to two decades of uh, working together. And yeah, I guess um, it's interesting because it feels like such a long time ago, but it was actually, I mean, probably stepped away from the restaurants, uh, that group about eight years ago. And during those 20 years that we worked together, we um, we kicked a lot of goals. And I, I guess to put it into perspective, um, I worked with um, my family, which was my brother. Uh, My father was a silent partner. I worked with my brother's best mate called Daniel down at the pantry in Melbourne and another uh, great mate called David Causey. And the four of us worked our asses off pretty much an (laughs) an average working week prior to um, joining joining that group Uh, in my first, second, third year of apprenticeship. I'd, I'd... Average probably sixty to eighty hours a week because I wanted to live out of home. I moved out of home as soon as I finished high school and got an apprenticeship. And at the time, it was three dollars thirty one an hour. <laughs> and uh, I remember, I just I just wanted to be independent. I wanted to be a young adult living on my own and and just to have that that experience. And the first place I moved into was I had half a bedroom, and the bedroom cost $55 per (laughs) week up on the Gold Coast. And so I paid $27.50 to live in that single bed in that room. And so you got to work out $3.30. So I had to work uh, nearly 10 hours to pay for that room, uh, which was fun at that particular point of time in my life. And but it wasn't enough to 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 sustain me and um so i ended up always working sort of two or three jobs through my apprenticeship and so 60 to 80 hour weeks was the norm and then i started i was invited to become a uh, to work in my brother and my father and uh, daniel's restaurant as as a third year apprentice i said okay I said, if I can get the same amount of money that I'm earning now, because uh, I was working 60 to 80 hours at the Continental Cafe down in Paran mm. um, and also at Mario's Gee, I'm, in I'm Fitzroy. I remember
0: that. I remember both of them, my goodness.
1: <clears throat> yeah, so that Good was my- training. too. Yeah, it was my training ground. I finished my uh, apprenticeship at uh, Box Hill Tafe. Um, and once I started going in, I, I was employed as an apprentice at, uh, at the pantry in Brighton. And um, after a few months, the head chef- he had a little bit of a, a drug and alcohol problem. I think it was drug problem. Actually. Um, I put my hand up to, to the family. I said, let me, let let me have a crack at it. Yeah. Let me, let me take the reins and, uh, give me, give me a few months. And if I can't do it, then we'll employ somebody. But I feel like I can do a, a a bloody good job at this. I've always had a mind for systems and structure and organization. Mm. And, uh, even though I was 19 years of age at the time and only a third year apprentice, I said, let me run this kitchen. And, um, my work weeks went from sixty to eighty, for, to about eighty to hundred, <laughs> sometimes hundred and ten hour w- working weeks. As you can probably appreciate, yeah. that's what well, it takes. Well, now you've got sometimes. the weight
0: of responsibility of the family as well as your your own, well, a new job at, at such a young age.
1: Yeah, and and my whole thing was, uh, how can I how can I systemize and organize this thing that was um, a little bit uh, out of out of control uh, in a very quick period of time. And my, my first jobs in the industry was at McDonald's and at Sizzler as a 13, 14, 15, 16-year-old kid living on the Gold Coast. And the first things they taught me was uh, structure, was systems, was teamwork, was cleanliness, was organisation. Uh, and I value that that um, introduction into the workspace through those establishments uh, very dearly. And I still hold that v- t- to my heart now Um dearly to my heart that, that that was my first experience in those establishments. And as soon as I dived into being a leader, so to speak, at 19, I, I, I deep dived into uh, leadership books, management books, small mm. business books, um, leadership as, as as far and wide as I could gather as much information as I could to uh, put myself into a position so that we as a group could succeed and that I could, um, put together a team and, and run, uh, a very busy establishment to the best of my ability. And, uh, it was a great, great experience, um, through that time. And through that, I also, um, went through meditation techniques at the age of 19 i started transcendental meditation i did sri chinmoy i was using binaural beats back then uh, i was changing my diet at the age of 19 i did an anthony robbins 3-day course up in sydney to learn how to become more of myself and understand what it means to be a human uh, being and also to be a leader all of these things that they do not teach you in school well they <laughs> never used to teach you in school yeah. and i had to i had to upgrade uh, my data bank very, very quickly and changed my p- belief patterns. Because prior to that, as as an employee, I was uh, on the moving from the Gold Coast to Melbourne, um, where alcohol and drugs were very, um, very problematic on in Queensland in the chefing industry. I moved mm-hmm. to Melbourne and it was nearly like, it wasn't problematic, it was nearly like they were embraced in the industry that... Uh, uh, drugs and alcohol was the was the norm or the default yeah. for our industry, and I, and I partaked in that uh, to a to a to a large degree. To cope
0: a, with stress, to cope with long hours, to cope with it. it's a difficult industry, and yeah. you know, there's, a, there's a lot of fallout, isn't there?
1: Yeah, so I I switched off that at the age of 19 because I couldn't sustain 100 100 mm. hour working weeks with that um, with that um, side. <laughs> Project, so to speak, of of what everyone else was doing. So I really changed my focus and direction. Mm. And I thought, well, I got one chance at this. It was a gift uh, for a young person to be given, and I didn't want to take it lightly. So I invested everything I could into becoming the best chef that I could, and the best leader, and the best um, um, uh, partner as I could in in that period. And it was um, it was a, a a rapid transformation and a rapid um, growth acceleration for my, for myself. And, well, from a, uh, profe- profe-
0: from a professional point of view, maybe not everybody remembers or understands, but that, that group, so the pantry, and still is, it was, was and still is the busiest, you know, cafe hub, I suppose, uh, in Brighton and in Melbourne. Um, it was pumping.
1: Pu- and it- <laughs> still does.
0: I mean, it's just what you set up, you know, is still going, still people, it rolls off people's tongues. Um, Hugo's at Manly, another benchmark.
1: Yeah, um, well, we we actually opened Hugo's in Bondi when I was twenty two, and my brother yeah. moved to Sydney uh, for a love interest. Actually, and said um, I found a location in Bondi Beach. Um, I'm, we're going to set up a restaurant, our second our second establishment. Yeah, uh, basically, he said, "Who wants to come?" And I I was a surfer from the Gold Coast, and I love surfing in Melbourne, but it was, fuck, it was cold, like really cold. <laughs> I and don't I know I what to- you're talking about. I've got no idea. It's a—it's called a I- wetsuit, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't help. And I used to have a phobia uh, about sharks, and I, uh, I always thought great white sharks down at Phillip Island yeah. and stuff. And I used to do the trek, you know, it'd be an hour and a half drive, surf, freeze, drive back. And I I loved it. But as soon as I heard Sydney, and I'd never really spent any time in Sydney except for a three-day course with Anthony Robbins. I was like, hmm, Sydney, Bondi, there's a beach there, there's waves. I'll come, you know, new adventure. And I just wanted to get back into some warm water so I could follow one of my passions. And my greatest passion has always been um, uh, surfing as far as a, a sporting pursuit, so that was, um, that was done and sold and I moved to Sydney and I've been there pretty much ever since for yeah. the last 20-odd 20, 20 years and then that became a new new adventure because we, we opened up a, a modern Australian restaurant when modern Australian restaurants were sort of in their infancy. What do you think was your proudest
0: moment or, or, or a moment where you, just, you still look back in that period of running those restaurants for nearly 20 years where you can go, oh, I, I did all right.
1: I think at the end of every service was my proudest moment that, and you know what it's like, Gary, it's a, it it is a battle. It's a dance. It's a, it's a symphony. It's a, you know, you're you're the conductor of the orchestra and if you can tell when somebody is off and I guess my proudest moments in those days of, of working with a wonderful team that was constantly evolving and changing was, was being able to read my team so that uh, I'd always be first in and, I would without consciously I would consciously analyze my staff as they walked in the door every day and felt their energy and I would work out a a way to bring that into alignment to the best of my ability at that time with the resources and the knowledge that I had to create a harmonious service and bring people either up or down depending <laughs> on where they were on the day. And as you know, running, running the hospitality industry, uh, emotions, uh, run wild. Um, people can be very down, people can be very up depending on what their experience was the night before, um, where they are in their life on a daily basis. I believe that anyone that's ever worked with me in the kitchen would could testify to that I was willing to uh, break the mould of what was considered normal in a way to, to help people evolve and possibly evolve very quickly yeah. in a very
0: high-pressure situation. You know what I find interesting is the fact that, you know, this is quite some time ago now, you know, so mm-hmm. we started this conversation off by, you know, pointing out the fact that everybody knows you from MKR and you've been doing that for 10 years and mm-hmm. so this is still very fresh in your mind. You're obviously still very connected to uh, the hospitality industry and how you feel about food, although that's changed.
1: Well, it's it's. I don't think it's changed. To be honest with you, it's always been a, um, a an expression, and it's funny. Like even with My Kitchen Rules, we filmed an episode last night, and and my intention from being a judge in that situation is again to. Uh, to bring out the weak, to, to see what the weakness is in the team from my perspective. And I'm not saying that I'm right in that, but Mm. my, uh, my conscious decision is I sit there and I'm like, okay, where can this team grow? What's the best way that I can reach them so that they have the, the, the confidence and the understanding that, that it's okay for them to, to grow. And every dish it's different. Every team it's different. And, I'm constantly looking at ways to to help give them a little nudge in a direction that uh, can improve not only their cooking, I think uh, the cooking is 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 there, but it's it's about connecting with them as a human being, and knowing that I see them and i've I'm invested in yeah. their evolution through this competition. Yeah. No matter how long or how short it may be, and I, and and again, my intention is for everybody that enters the competition to leave with with a different understanding of not only food that will happen regardless, but of themselves and what they are capable of. Yeah.
0: So talking about your many roles, and I'm you know mm-hmm. we can jump into something that you know is very close to you, very passionate about, and of course has caused a lot of controversies. Mm-hmm. So the the paleo way. Yep, and I'm I'm a late comer to this. I think I sent you a message. Oh, it would have been about four or five months ago, saying I just watched that, and that was brilliant. I was mm. just into it, and then I watched the Magic Pill, and that was brilliant as well. I was uh, absolutely taken with it, and I think um, you're obviously very passionate about that. Tell us, tell us something about that, and then I actually what I'd like to talk about maybe is a little bit of how some of those controversies, and I think most people know what they are, make, <laughs> yeah. make you feel and how you deal with them. So <clears throat> sure. first of all, give us a little snapshot of, you know, how the magic pill came about and how, um, you know, you've become the Pete Evans that most people know now.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, paleo way came about because I adopted that diet for myself and my family about, it's coming up to nearly a decade now. And it worked wonders for me. Um, we can see I, that. We can see that. By the way,
0: we can yeah. see that. whenever, whenever everybody is a naysayer, I go. Have you seen Pete recently? He looks bloody good. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks, buddy. <laughs> so, and, so whatever they say, I go.
1: Yeah, you can't. You can't really argue with that, can you? Uh, well, it's it's interesting. I read a book called Primal Body, Primal Mind, and I, I'm a voracious reader. I love uh, learning new things. And my wife was reading it at the time, and she said, "You might, you might like this book." I said, "Okay, well, if you." Recommended, I'll give it a go. So I read it, and it made common sense. It was common sense. So I was like, okay, this makes a, this resonates with me. Let's give it a go. And I tried different dietary approaches over the years that um, hadn't worked, and this one actually really spoke to me. I thought, there's a lot of there's a lot of truth behind this. So I tried it, like I do everything. I make myself the the guinea pig, <laughs> and within two months, I was like, fucking hell, like. I'm feeling amazing. I'm looking the best I've ever looked and felt. Wow. There's something in this. So then I took a deep dive into it and started like researching the crap out of it. (laughs) So I spent that probably the next year reading as much as I could trying to understand what this is on so many different levels. And... After a year I was like, okay, I cannot find any flaws in this, any holes, any conspiracies, any anything that's gonna make anybody rich or that this is just a spin. And I came out of the closet, so to speak, as a chef and said, Hey, this is what I'm doing, you know, and it's working for me, it's working for my kids, it's working for my, my family, it's working for a Tens or hundreds or millions of people around the world, and it seems to be uh, based off our evolutionary history, which mm. is pretty hard to debate. Have you been? And, have you been a, a cynic in the past? I mean, you know, if you re- rewind the clock before
0: you read, you know, Primal Body, for mm-hmm. example, you're a bit of a cynic, say of, you know, taking vitamins or you know traditional diets, or you know, you said you tried a few things, you know, have yeah, you, have...
1: not not too much. I i i, I was i did a, i was a vegetarian slash vegan for four years. Yeah. Uh, when I was 19 from the Anthony Robbins course because they promoted that that approach. And uh, I felt good for a few months and then I uh, started to not feel good, but I held on to my beliefs. And and it's interesting because I think so many, uh, I mean, the core of our humanity is we uh, uh, we have so many belief systems running yeah. in us, which creates our identity of who we are. <laughs> and for us to change any of those beliefs, it changes our identity, which is very frightening for a lot of people. Uh, the older you get, the harder it seems to be <laughs> for people to want to change because change means you are presenting yourself to the world and to yourself a different version mm. of who you are. And, and it makes you
0: feel uncomfortable and it could be painful. I mean, who knows? People's fear
1: yeah, of, of and change. Well, the fear of change, and, and it, I, I notice it a lot, and I'm going to veer just off the, this topic a little bit or into identity, mm-hmm. is people get so associated with their identity that, um, you know, let's take, for instance, somebody that plays a victim, you know, mm-hmm. and plays being sick. Um, and I'm not disregarding people being sick, but there's certain individuals that I've seen over over time um, that, that being sick becomes their identity. You know, it's, it's, it's how they relate to to the world it's because they feel if they've got that it brings more attention it brings more um uh, more sympathy for them um so they stay in that role they stay in that identity but it's not them it's just their character or their identity that they've built and they've found okay well i get something from being in this state of being i get something from um exhibiting this behavior which manifests as a a disease or an illness Um, and Again, I'm not saying that that's general, but there are certain identity patterns that people have, yeah. which they get trapped in uh, because they don't want to. Uh, it's it. If they change, it's like uh, the best. The best way I can say this is one of the best things I've ever heard is uh, the thing that people are most fearful of is their own potential,
0: mm.
1: and I I see that on a daily basis and to come out and actually say, um, hey, I'm paleo, I mean, that is changing my identity. And the only label I go by is being human. I don't go by being paleo (laughs) or anything like that, but I follow a paleo paleo dietary philosophy. Mm. And at the cornerstone or the foundation of what that means, it means I eat meat and vegetables, simple as that. Uh, Organic, hopefully, or seafood and vegetables. It's as simple as that. And to me, that doesn't sound outlandish or extreme or anything like that. How do how do you deal with the criticism
0: that's levelled at you? Because people really go you. Like they over, you know, probably what the last five years or so. There's been a couple of periods where they've really tried to hang you out to dry and humiliate you.
1: Yeah, well, it's interesting. I mean, I could I could take a deep dive here, and I feel like it's probably I feel comfortable to do that, but. If you look at everything in the, in the world or the universe, everything is energy. You have to agree. and I mean, from a quantum level, that's what we, we, we know. Mm-hmm. We, people study this. Everything is, is, is energy. So we have a, a society or a culture at the moment, especially in Australia, that has uh, a certain energy that's vibrating through mainstream, if you like, or through the population. And you could look back through our culture and our history and how we have been, our identity, our cultural identity of what it means to be an Australian. And you've heard the, the, the term cut down the tall poppies. Yeah. Um, you know, that's ingrained for some reason in our culture. Um, we, <sighs> when you have somebody that stands in their truth, it causes a little bit of a shift in that energy. Uh, especially when somebody stands in their truth that really doesn't give a fuck what other people Mm. think. And I can put my hand on my heart and tell you, (laughs) I don't care what anyone thinks about me because it's got nothing to do with me, Mm. right? But I am happy to stand and speak my truth. My truth doesn't have to be anybody else's truth. But when you have somebody that is doing that in a society where there is fear, where there is... Insecurity about standing up for yourself or for other people, then that can create a shift in that energy, which is like, whoa, what's what's that person doing? You know, it's like if you've got a bunch of sheep, a herd of sheep, and one starts to veer off from the pack, it's like, whoa, 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 where are you going? You know, they might be going over to eat some better grass than where (laughs) everyone else is going. You know, and but people feel very comfortable and very familiar with where the herd or the pack mentality is at the moment. And if you understand, if you take a step back and have awareness of where our mainstream media uh, or what they promote, it is division. It's based on fear. It's based on sensationalism. It's based on this this idea that everybody needs to conform and nobody should step out and be unique. And I think the greatest gift that we have is our uniqueness. It really is. Each and every one of us as a human being has our own beautiful, unique, expressive creativity that we can share with the world, with others, with ourselves. You know, Mm. what makes you shine does not have to be the same thing that makes your your neighbour shine or the culture shine it yeah. can i mean if you think about it you look at the greatest artists in the world you know the reason that they they've created timeless work and that stand out is because they stand out is because they took a different path that so many people thought was uh, ludicrous or so different that they couldn't even comprehend or understand And usually it's in their death that they're revered (laughs) during their (laughs) lifetime. They're like thought of crazy. Um, So we have, uh, my perspective is we have a culture that is built around insecurity and fear. And when people or ideas come out of that, that don't really take into regard that 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 energetic level all of a sudden it creates a yeah.
0: shift and, and it's still thing it, too isn't it? it 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 squashes creativity and free thought i always think about it as um, you know when you're little kids and teacher asks you a question everybody throws their hands up me 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 i know mm-hmm. and then of course through uh, pain and experience you don't want to throw your hand up anymore because you don't want to look silly you don't want to be humiliated you don't want to stand out from the pack as you say I love making this series and I hope that you love listening too. If you do, subscribe and send us a message because believe it or not, we actually read those messages. What we want to know is what you think about the show, more importantly about the conversations that we have with our guests. We love hearing from you. That's what I'm trying to say. You can do that on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One Australia or wherever you listen. And if you're feeling like it, maybe even recommend the show to a friend. You never know, they might find it as delicious as you do. When I read the news now, I, I try not to read the news on my phone anymore because the headlines are always quite hateful and they're there just as clickbait, disastrous, yep. you know, despicable, disgraceful. These are the words that I wake up to in the morning, so I've changed my habits
1: and I don't read the news in the morning. <laughs> Mate, I th- I, th- I I guarantee <coughs> you that is probably the one of the mo- the most profound things you can do. It's it's funny, like I've got one foot in that world yeah. through. My Kitchen Rules, I guess, in, in that. And it's funny, like, I sit around the table and people talk to me about certain things that okay. are happening in the in the world. Like, not the world, but in the news. I'm like, I remember yesterday they were telling me about different TV shows and different people that are on it. I'm like, who is that? And people are looking at me as if I've got two two heads because yeah. I have no idea who they're talking about. And I, I said to them, hey, just matter-of-factly, I said... I don't watch free to air television. I don't listen to the radio. I do not watch the news. I do not read the newspapers. I do not participate in the mainstream uh, information sharing that is happening that most people are
0: hooked on. Did they all just walk away in different directions? I don't know. What do we do with Pete? I like it, Pete. I think it's fabulous. I think actually as I'm getting older, th- this balance, you know, and I've got a, you know, as you've got young children, I've got a young daughter who's 18 and I look at the struggle in what she's dealing with that I never even at her age, never even mm. would have uh, seen or understood or even had to deal with. It's a well, very different world. It's very confusing. And you're balancing this, these two worlds, MKR, where your primetime television have a huge audience and a huge reach. And they're one particular fan mm-hmm. who love you on that show. And then you're balancing that with your, your beliefs and your, um, your, your, would you describe it as your lifestyle and how you're bringing up your own family. It's interesting yeah.
1: balance. And, and it's interesting because one of the f- most common things is, you know, how can you do that when you eat this way, but they serve you food like that? Yeah. And my simple response is, because I have a choice to live my life exactly as I choose and Mm. I choose to do this and that's the end of the sentence that's the end of end of the conversation Mm. because we all get to choose the life that we want or let me rephrase that we get to choose and create the life that we wish Mm. and through our choices is how our life unfolds and it could be what are you going to eat today? What time are you going to go to sleep? What are you going to read? Are you going to watch the news, the mainstream news, and see the fear and the, the bullshit and the lies that are out there? Or are you going to read a book that might be enlightening? Or are you going to take that time out to, to go for a swim at the beach or yeah. to a walk in the park? Or Everything is based on choices. And I choose to do My Kitchen Rules and I choose to live a a lifestyle that is based around the the fundamental principles that I see for long-term sustainable uh, health so that I can keep making choices for as long as possible in this existence as a human being on Mm. this, in this reality. And for me, that's important. And, you know, I I do see this as a a one-off gift, this thing called life. And for me, my, my intention is, how can I be around to experience this for as long as possible in the best possible health that I can just be a part of this existence and, and watch it. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's the best show going on the, in the world is this life. Yeah. And we get to choose how we interact with that and, how we show up for it and how, who we are in th- this
0: experience. I saw a, a post that you did where you'd, and you got ribbed for it mercilessly, but uh, you went out for a surf and you, you said taking time out. I can't remember exactly. It was taking time just to, you know, feel the sun on your face. Well, And then, gay, and then you got ripped, ripped through the press because now, of course, you're promoting the fact that, um, you know, people are getting skin cancer. And I thought if anybody actually read the post, they'd go, oh, that's nice. He's going out for a surf. Yeah, I,
1: I gaze at the sun in yeah. the morning. If I get down to the beach early enough, like I did today, I have a swim in, a, in one of the uh, beautiful ocean pools that are for free yeah, all right, in all right. Now I'm getting. we yeah, you know you we're do, in the deepest, you, cold, drizzly Melbourne winter. Yeah, you can do it, brother. I'll tell you. You go down to St Kilda Baths and have a swim a bit in the of cold in the ocean. You will feel fucking amazing. Yeah, and and if you get down there at sunrise, if you get the opportunity, there might be once a week. You know, when you on the Sunday when Kids are having a sleep in, or whatever. You know, you might go. Oh, I'll be back by eight o'clock or seven thirty. I'm just going down the beach for myself. I'm going to take an hour down there and watch the sun come up, and go down there with your family or your loved ones, or by yourself, or go down for a sunset um, with your family and have a picnic or whatever. But to actually what witness the sun rising or the sun setting, and for those sort of first five minutes or last five minutes, and and gaze briefly at the sun. Some people gaze at it for a period of time at those early moments. Um, it's called admiring a sunset or a sunrise, right? <laughs> and and that's what I wrote. And apparently that's seems from some people that yeah. that, that we shouldn't be looking at a sunrise or a sunset. Yeah. And I que- I I I don't care what anybody says. I really enjoy watching a sunrise or a sunset. I think yeah. it's I think we've been doing it as a as a as a species for
0: all eternity. Yeah. A couple of 100,000 years. I suppose it beats yeah. if you if you look at the opposite, you know, of waking up in the morning and the first thing you do is pick up your phone mm-hmm. for many. Yeah. To 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 put their day into perspective and that's a different way of looking at it. Can I can I ask you do you th- do you worry that any of your opinions or what you profess now could be dangerous?
1: No. No. If looking at a sunrise or a sunset, if rubbing, uh, I mean, I've made a statement saying that I do not wear toxic sunscreen. Um, and I've said people that apply it, like the 50 pluses that have 50 ingredients in them that we know a cancer causing or autoimmune or hormone disrupting or you name it what those ingredients are if you lather that stuff on and you have not spent any time in the sun at all and then you lie out there for three or four hours thinking you are safe right then i would call that extremely dangerous i mean Again, use common sense. I go out in the sun every day that I possibly can, but I choose not to get burnt. Mm. Like I know where to draw the line and I err on the the side of caution. You know, I like to have a, a year long tan and it's not for vanity or anything that's like that. It's like, I understand that we are a species that needs that form of energy and form of medicine or nourishment or whatever you call it onto our skins. Mm. Like you watch the animals that are out there. <laughs> they don't, they all, well, the ones that that, that um, go out into the sun, they use that, that energy. And we again have created a, a, a culture that is fearful of something that is vitally important to mm. us. I mean, even my children go to school and I say to them, if you can like they're at school from early morning to late in the afternoon I go do you get any sun they go we have to sit outside with with a hat on we're not allowed to take our hat off even for five minutes to get some sun on it onto our face you know and it's like where have we got where, who has created this yeah, idea that we need to be... from one
0: extreme oh to the other. And that's one, so, you know, and I think people are just confused. I mean, my next question, I suppose, would be, because there's so much information and you're part of that information as well that people are consuming. Do you, do you worry about the fact that they take, like, say, sun exposure, you know, you slather your kids with 50 plus, you put a hat on them, you put a, a rashi on them, they don't see any sunlight and then you go to the doctor and they've got no energy and they're vitamin D deficient. Do you worry about the fact that they might take chunks of say what they believe is paleo and then that's not healthy? Well,
1: it's interesting and then they people use fake tan as well. I think that sounds like a fuck.
0: A few um, more chemicals to add to the cocktail.
1: Well, I guess I guess the other thing and I'll go back to that thing, but you know, we talk about water and and people think I'm crazy because I say drink the cleanest possible water that you that you can find, you know, I choose not to drink one with fluoride in it or chlorine, you know, Mm. it makes perfect sense. You know, you look at our ancestors and what, where did they get their water from? You know, how pure was it? It was crystal clear. It was running in the streams. It was, it was rainwater. It was whatever it was. It was pure. Now we add stuff into our water supply, which is a neurotoxin, you know, and it's For me, it's like, I'm not taking that risk because fundamentally, clean, pure water is how we've evolved. I just want to drink pure, clean water. If I have a fluoride issue or if people want to have fluoride, it should be a choice that then they can up, uh, put it into their system somehow, but mm. it should never have been mandatory. That's, that's, that's mass medication using a poison. And if that doesn't ring alarm bells for people, then I don't know what else does. But going back to your uh, question, I'm of the firm belief that we need to, as, as adults, we need to take personal responsibility for our own choices and our own actions. I'm, uh, too many people handball their personal responsibility and their accountability for their own choices to other people. And I would never want anybody handballing it to me to say, what do you do, Pete? I'm going to follow you because Mm. why would you follow somebody else? Work it out for yourself and use common sense and do your own study about it. And sure, you can speak to somebody that, you know, find the people that have got perfect blood results or blood tests, find people that are got energy to burn, that have clarity of mind, that, that, and ask them the questions, what are you doing that is getting you to that stage, you know? And that's what I do. And that's my favorite job of all, is I interview people from all walks of life that are living a life that I look at to be an inspiration or sharing information that is helping other people live that that life of being disease-free, getting off their medication, feeling wonderful. Because I, I honestly believe that, I said it before, we're human beings capable of anything. And our one true purpose is to grow and express ourselves creatively. Now, for us to do that in a in a dynamic way or in a worthwhile way, it helps when we have the energy that we need, no pain, no fear, um, total imagination for what is possible. So if I can eat a way that gives me the energy to wake up and go, okay, I'm stoked i'm going to come in and do this ready with gary today then i'm going to go pick up the kids then we're going to go have a surf and then i'm going to cook a delicious dinner then we're going to sit down we're going to get together we might watch a little bit of television together because that's you know what we do at this particular point in time in our in our relationship and then i'm going to put them to bed and we're going to i'm then going to have a beautiful magnesium bath and i'm going to do that and at the end of the night i'm going to be grateful for what a wonderful experience i had today and i and um I've already done another podcast this morning with a doctor from America, mm. you know, and I've had a swim this morning, and I've watched the sunrise, <laughs> you know. I've already, I'm, I'm, I'm full, and it's eleven o'clock in the morning, you know. I'm like, well, it's not a bad start to the day, <laughs> you know. But if I was in pain or sick or this, I'd be like, I, I,
0: oh, yeah, I need to f- sleep.
1: Do I, do I really want to? Yeah. W- what am I doing? You know. So, uh, I, a personal responsibility. I. I take full responsibility of my own actions for everything that I do for the decision to do this podcast today. Yeah. You know, I made a decision to go to the beach this morning for half an hour to get that sunlight into my body and to immerse myself into some cold water because I knew it was probably the only time today that I would actually get to have that experience. And that was enough for me in, in that, but I, I, definitely made sure that I ate well and went to sleep early enough last night so that I could accomplish that today. I think what
0: what I've admired particularly about you in the last couple of years, only because I've just kind of clued into it in the last couple of years, is the fact that you just stick up for what you believe in. So in the face of what I think is, you know, unwelcome and over the top criticism that you have just stuck to your guns, and gone, this is what I believe. So I, I look at you and I respect you as a chef for everything that you've achieved as a, as a chef and a businessman. respect you as somebody that's taken a different career direction, had a second career and gone on to one of the biggest primetime television shows of all time. And then I respect you because you're you're following your own path in life. And the, the I, I actually particularly like how the fact you'll take a negative, you know, uh, criticism and you post it up on your own instagram and go have a think about because what you're saying is well this is what they've said have a think about it rather than in in a a typical kind of celebrity sense you know just go to ground and try and ignore it and hopefully it goes away and you just hear nice things so you're not afraid of it are you
1: no afraid of it in any way no because it can't hurt me yeah and I mean, I don't post everything that anybody writes about me, <laughs> otherwise it would be every day.
0: I prefer but, the foodie posts. I did, I did look at, uh, I will let you answer that question, but you, I looked at your uh, post, I think it was the day before yesterday, and you've posted um, Scotch fillet blood sausages, <laughs> pumpkin puree, and, I've, and Vietnamese dressing. I've just gone, Jesus, that looks
1: bloody good. Oh, really yeah. nice, really nice. It, and it was bloody delicious I too. bet it was. <laughs> but, but nothing anybody writes can ever hurt you because it's just their... Well, the people that write the stuff say it's if it's a journalist for instance and I use that word very lightly. Uh I you know the, the the true journalists have long since left the building, I think. <laughs> well there, there's still a few few around but uh, as as a um, as a generalization, uh these days it's a journalist is meant to report the the truth. Mm. Um and be non-biased, whereas now uh, newspapers are full of opinion pieces, which is why you would never read them. Mm. Um, It is full of opinion. And with opinion pieces, no one can be held accountable for what they write. Sure, Um, You don't have any legal recourse or anything like that. So if ever you see an opinion piece, uh, if if you don't know what an opinion piece is, open the newspaper and you will see that two-thirds of it that is written as journalistic pieces these days are opinion pieces, so the paper cannot be... um, sued, but they can get their agenda across. Um, and the facts often don't belong to them either. So they can palm oh. that off too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they regurgitate yeah, something. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, um, but it can never hurt you. But the the interesting thing is the more they write, and I share some of these every once in a while, the more it shows what hand they're playing. And and my intention is just to show that hand, hmm. you know, it's for anybody that really wants to have a look, you can see why they would be writing such a thing, uh, what the agenda is, who and why they seem hell bent on, uh, writing in this fashion for, um, You know, if you look at, say, something like the paleo way, where it's it's a meat and vegetable-based diet or seafood and vegetable-based diet, you basically are uh, taking away some of the largest industries in this country. Uh, If we look at the dairy industry, if we look at the grains and cereal um, industry, uh, if you dig a little deeper, when people start to feel good, about themselves and no longer need to go to the doctors as much or spend as much on their medication, you will see that this affects yeah. the pharmaceutical industry, you'll see it affects the medical industry, and you will see up the chain that that these industries and multinational food companies and fast food, when people do no, no longer need these industries, what happens, yeah. right? Where, and if you look at the magazines or the papers or the television networks that are promoting these type of, Uh, opinion pieces or hate um, forums uh, against me or others like myself, you will see that uh, all of a sudden the advertising that funds all of these, whether it's a social media site like Mamma Mia or or, um, uh, the TV networks or the newspapers or the magazines, you will see that if next time, have a look through the magazines and see who funds that. And you will see while why there is such a huge push for this not to become mainstream because it will help hurt the bottom line of so many industries. I'm making a, a documentary on cannabis at the moment. Yeah, that was, my,
0: that was my next thing. I'm going not shying away from anything controversial. You're doing this, which is fascinating. I mean, watching The Post can't wait for the, the show to come out. Tell well, us about it.
1: Obviously food is not the be-all and end-all for a, for a healthy existence, you know. It's a valuable tool and it can be medicine in, in the right way and it can be poison, rightly, you know. It can be the slowest form of poison slowly killing you day after day after day where you may live 20, 30, 40, 50 years less than you're designed to, mm. you know. That's a slow form of poison that people do each and every single day with our Western-style diet. It is fucking poison. You yeah. are dying prematurely through the choices that you make through the foods you eat. Mm. So we can choose differently and help to give our bodies the nutrients that it needs. You know, our brains are 60, 70% fat and we've been promoted to eat a low-fat diet and low-fat but eat vegetable oils and margarine from the Heart Foundation. That does not make any fucking sense whatsoever. Yeah, You know, that is is a conspiracy in itself and I don't believe in conspiracies but hey <laughs> if you if you look deeply into that there's some major oh, yeah. fuckery going on there yeah and Food is a vitally important part, but it's not the be-all and end-all. We talk about movement. We talk about connecting back to nature, connection to self and understanding our, our belief patterns. Uh, I've just written a book about this called Heal, Healthy Eating and Living that covers all of these topics in very bite-sized portions for people to digest easily and then for them to go on once they get a taste to see what else is out there. But um, when we have these pillars of health, such as food, such as um movements such as uh, self-belief patterns and understanding who we are. We, and I'm fascinated about all these pillars. I look at cannabis as, wow, this seems to be working for a lot of people, yet seems to be demonized by so many people as well. What is the truth around this plant? So Mm. I'm creating a documentary at the moment that is exploring that question. Is it a magic plant or is it not? Mm. And, again, the further I dig on this, because it seems to be something that people may use for their health journeys, you know, and I'm not advocating for it across the board for everyone, but I definitely don't think it should be illegal. And I think we definitely should have a human right where we should be able to grow a plant or two in our backyard for our own consumption, for our own food or for our own medicine, if, if, if we need that. And as we've seen in different parts of the world that have have opened up the doors for this. And I read somewhere yesterday that, you know, globally, we've spent a trillion dollars trying to demonize this plant. Whereas imagine if that trillion dollars was spent on research and study about what is actually contained in this and how it may beneficially help some people achieve better health. Do you think this is the right time? I mean, because there's a lot of focus
0: on alcohol now. I mean, it's... it's Wow, legal, um, and uh, I know it's a big subject, and we really we'd need another podcast to do yeah, this. Yeah, for sure. But it's ha- um, it's become such a massive problem in our society.
1: Yeah, um, and I'd be happy to come back and talk about that, and and talk about psychedelics and things like that, because again, they've been demonised into this thing that mm. um, maybe they shouldn't have been, and maybe there needs to be more education and more study and more research and more. Um, more open-ended conversations about these things other than it's illegal which means it's bad yeah. you know i i you mentioned alcohol and i'll just finish off with the conversation that uh, the topic about cannabis so my intention with that film is to explore all avenues the pros the cons the the Uh, The history, the spiritual use, the religious use, the current use, and where this plant is headed because it could go, uh, it could. Go down the wrong path when the wrong interests. I mean, Coca Cola has got to play in it. Beer companies now have got to play in it. Pharmaceutical companies have got to play in it. At the end of the day, the people that seem to need this the most can't afford it. And the people in Australia, especially, the people that need it the most aren't allowed to grow it in their backyard, even though it could save their lives. And they've got to pay $1,000 or $2,000 a month for this medicine that you can grow for (laughs) free. (laughs) And something is completely out of whack here at the moment. But talking about alcohol, I mean, here's the crazy thing, you know, and I believe dosage is very important on everything. I do not believe, you know, we have people like Jamie Oliver campaigning for a sugar tax and saying sugar is evil. Fuck, it's not evil. It's a fucking, it's a plant. Yeah. Right. It's not a plant. It's the dosage. It's how it's refined. It's how much you consume. But there's nothing inherently evil about sugar. You know, yeah. we shouldn't be fearful of a plant. We shouldn't be fearful of sugarcane. We shouldn't be fearful of these things. You know, why tax something? And and I look at somebody like Jamie and he's campaigning against sugar, but then on the same day he's promoting eating a bowl of pasta three times a week, which is Again, dosages, If you eat that three times a week, that will lead you to type two diabetes over a period of time. So what is the message that we're trying to portray? and and you know, hats off to Jamie for everything that he's done. but again, don't put all your eggs into someone's basket that they know exactly what they're talking about. That's the absolute truth because and don't ever believe anything that I'm saying. But if we look at if we look at alcohol, for instance, we know how destructive it is we know how detrimental to the social or family unit it can be or to individual's health i mean i've had to put friends into rehab before yeah you know for i've had my own issues with alcohol but is alcohol inherently evil or is it the dosage or is it how we have a relationship with it in this cult, in this country and culture especially, that it seems to be un-Australian if you don't have a drink. And I've encountered that many, 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 many times where I'm like, no, you know what? I'm actually better off without that, <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, however, a beautiful duck confit with a glass of Pinot Noir, that is a marriage, an organic, biodynamic, <laughs> sulfite free <laughs> bottle of or a glass of... Pinot Noir with a duck confit, that is a marriage made in heaven. And yeah. I will, I will partake in that experience every once in a while. And I know the risk involved in putting that poison into my body. But I'm willing to take that gamble every once in a while a, for a really a, nice glass as a, of wine. As a
0: creative and experiential human being, you, you should be. <laughs> you know, Pete, I am going to have to wrap this up only because I know that if we need to talk more, we can do another one. We could talk for a long time. <laughs> we could, be. And you know what? Uh, you, you may have gone for a swim this morning and energised yourself, but this conversation, honestly, I feel energised from it. So there's got to be something um, in it. I think, I, th- I think it's just you, to be honest. So if people want to know more, you've written a book called Heal, so that's uh, available and people can go out and buy it. Pete at com,
1: correct? Yeah, we have a free program out there. Uh, no strings attached. A 100,000 people have done it, mainly Aussies. Still not one complaint, which is great. Yep. <laughs> it's called The Paleo Way. So <laughs> if you're interested, there's, it's f- completely free. 350 recipes, a tonne of information on there. I've also got YouTube videos that um, uh, relate to that and also The Magic Pill on Netflix, The Paleo Way on iTunes, Netflix and YouTube. And, of course, uh, you could. Catch us on Movable Feast if you're listening from overseas. I do a TV show in in America called Movable Feast on PBS, and of course social media. I was going to say Chef Chef
0: Pete Evans, correct? If you want to see it. just a little glimpse of your your daily life, you know, just uh, enjoying a, a sunrise or a sunset.
1: That's it, and uh, my podcast as well. And my podcast goes very very deep into what it means to be human. So not really food based. It's more about health nutrition. Um, the way we look at the world, the way we can interact with others, creative expression, um, different types of uh, modalities out there for consciousness expansion. And (laughs) uh, it's a trip. So uh, hopefully people enjoy it. And Gary, I just want to say, mate, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. It's
0: a pleasure. Pete Evans, thank you very much. So now for my tips and tricks. And because we talk paleo, then let's talk about bone broth. It's the foundation of a paleo diet, a good paleo diet. And in my day, because I'm an old bloke, it used to be called stock. It's amazing how things come around, isn't it? There's cycles of. But I like the term bone broth. Now, if you don't make stocks, they're dead easy. The simplest one you could make, for example, is a chicken stock. So take chicken bones, cover them in water, just barely, put them on the stove and bring them up to a nice gentle boil. And just as they come to the boil, you'll notice that all these little sediment and what we call scum in the business comes to the surface. And that's what it is. You want to skim that off because they're impurities that you want to get rid of. Turn the heat down so it's a nice gentle simmer. And then we put in some white vegetables, things like onion, celery, leek, some aromatics, maybe a bay leaf or two, a couple of peppercorns, a pinch of salt if you want, and then let that simmer for about 45 minutes to an hour. You will get the most delicate, beautiful, clear chicken broth or stock that you can imagine. You might be surprised that actually just drinking that stock, even in just a mug, is absolutely delicious. What I tend to do is put a little extra salt, a little extra pepper, or even a few thyme leaves or a little dash of olive oil. Now we're talking really delicate, what they used to call restorative broth. Delicious. I said I was an old man, didn't I? How old? Not quite paleo. A Plate to Call Home is a Podcast One production produced by Dave Zwolenski. Audio production is Darcy Thompson and special thanks to Imogen Thomas for all the research.